Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we do our stories for another episode based off of an episode we did, episode 118. I'm Jordan. Shut up, I'm Cody. Cody. Don't, you don't even have to say, just shut up. Just don't even, we're done. I didn't say Again. anything. I don't know what you're talking so, about. So, um, thank you for listening, Cody. What are your plugs? End of episode. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well this week. Okay, good, good, good. I'm also doing great. Thank you for asking. Good you're welcome. Hear, good to hear that you put in as much time. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been a long week, is all I have to say about that. And I'm sorry if I'm overly sassy but i've got very little sleep so what have you been doing recently um okay so this is tricky because i think one thing that i've been doing recently is going to go on a recommendation so i need to not talk about that tell me what it is and just not go into detail um unless you don't want to spoil it all i don't want to it's a spoiler you know it's it's a thing i don't want to i don't want to you know Anyways, so um, today I started playing Middle Earth Shadow of War while I was exercising, which I've never played one of those games before. Like, there's two of them I found out. I did not realize that this is a sequel. Yeah, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, right? Yeah, yeah. Shadow of Mordor, let me tell you, probably explains a lot more about the game than Shadow of War that really just drops you in with zero explanation. It's like... Go fight a nemesis! And I'm like, I don't have any idea what I am doing. But okay. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) For sure. Um, But it's kind of weird because I think it's... um, You had played a bat, like an Arkham game recently, right? Yep. (laughs) And I think they're basically the same game. Like, the fighting and stuff is the same. And I kind of like and don't like it it's weird because it it's not it's not that it's not challenging at all i just don't like that a lot of it you can just haphazardly smash the kill button and it basically works especially on lower difficulties and i'm like you know that sounds about right <laughs> i don't know how much i like this and like I will say, like, Breath of the Wild now, by comparison, really seems like it has a good OI, like, UI, not OI, UI, like, the interface to navigate menus and look at your weapons is real slick. And boy, is Shadow of Wars not so far. But I'm enjoying the game. Like, I'm not having a bad time at all with it. It's just, it's a different, it's a very different game from what I'm used to playing, I guess I would say. So that's, like... I don't know. I want to say uncomfortable, but kind of a fun experience to just play something so different. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So I, I've kind of been like not really playing video games recently. And I remember like, I think beginning of the year, cause it was um, shadow of war was free on PlayStation network. So I got it. I played all of 30 seconds of it. And I was like, eh, I'm not feeling this. So I didn't yeah. even get to actually playing the game. <laughs> I was just like, nah. I, uh, I can understand why you would get that far into it and just be like, you know what? Actually, nah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was literally just like I, I started off. I was like, okay, this looks pretty, but like, I don't care. <laughs> it was just like I, I just don't care. So, but yeah, that 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 was that was my experience with it. 
Good to hear it. <laughs> Good to hear it, man. Yeah, I just I don't I don't blame you for having that experience. Sorry, you ended your thought right as I was taking a drink. <laughs> but anyways, you got anything else to say about it or anything else on your plate? Um, you know, yeah, and this is also a recommendation thing, but not <laughs> not not as directly. I really like low budget horror movies. Yeah. Um like and what? the reason I like low well so the one I like, I'm not going to tell you about. But I, I was on Netflix recently, and I was just like, let's find a fun movie to... Wow, there are a lot of bad movies on Netflix. Like, a yes. lot yes. of and not Some of those movies. are Netflix originals. <laughs> yeah. And I just, like, gave up a lot. And there was this one called, like, The Girl on the Third Floor or something like that. or the woman And it was the just about floor. a chick who had an apartment on the third floor and nothing happened. No, it's about, like, a guy... This is, like... Okay, so I like low-budget horror because you don't get big names and people have to use their money wisely, right? Yeah. But there are times when you can tell in a low-budget horror movie where they have a picture in their head Mm -hmm. for what they want to do, but Uh due to budgetary restraints, they definitely can't. So, like, this movie starts and, like, a tough, I think, ex-mob guy is, like, fixing up a house for his wife and soon, and, like, baby on the way. And he's, like, like, the movie starts with him, like, drinking and his wife is, like, doesn't think he is or something. Like, that's, like, uh, he's lying to his wife right away. And then I think he ends up having sex with a ghost and, like, cheats on his wife with a ghost, I think. Um... But you can tell that in went their from head, zero to sixty in literally 0.5 seconds. Well, and like in their head, the movie is this like urban guy moves out to a creepy city or a yeah. creepy house and has to fix up a creepy haunted house, right? And it's scary. Literally and every weird stuff horror happens. movie, every right, but, haunting horror movie. And there's a creepy church across the road and weird yep. neighbors, right? Yeah, yep. like, <laughs> standard. But they couldn't afford that. So this guy moved into a basically move-in ready, like, house from the 1920s, which is not that old, really. And he needs to fix it up. years is pretty which, old, dude. I mean, I lived in several houses that were that age. Okay, um, anyways. And it's <laughs> not, it's not that crazy. Um, and, and I think in their head, it's like, oh, this is going to be a big mansion. There's going to be hidden rooms. There's going to be all this weird stuff, but it's like a two story house with 2000 square feet. It's just not very big. And you can tell that they went, okay, he needs to remodel the house, but that would require them to have scenes of him like knocking down walls and ripping wires. And they can't afford that because they probably don't own this house. So they're like, all right, he's remodeling. And that's just him, like, hitting one spot in the drywall with a hammer. The one that or they there's a lot of, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of scenes of him just, like, standing with a drill, looking at stuff. Or, like, just painting a wall a neutral and unoffensive color. And I'm like, you guys don't own this house, do you? You, you want to be demolishing and rebuilding this house. But he's like, oh, I'm so busy. I, I got... I got the bedroom done today, and I'm like, the bedroom looks no different. What did you do in the bedroom? Um, and I also think they wanted him to be like, and this is not to body shame anybody, oh, no. but hear me out. I think they wanted him to be like ripped and look dangerous because he's got tattoos all over him. 
and he like has a vague criminal background, right? But he's just kind of like a, a just kind of like dumpy looking guy. But they still, I think, in the script, had him walking around without a shirt on a lot. But then it's just like you don't really look like ripped. You just look like a dad. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just like dad guy with like tattoos painted on him. Like, oh, I'm a big tough guy. Like, you don't look like a big tough guy. Maybe you said this is the girl on the third floor. Is what this is called? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't look fat. He looks like a no. He's knock- not. No, he looks like a knuckle John Berthold. Like he, he looks. He looks totally. He just looks like a dad. He's just got dad bod. Because like when he looks he's like a, a shirt, he looks like a former biker is what he looks like. See the former though, very <laughs> former. Yeah. He's been out of it for a while, and that Ooh, is not the implication yikes. of the show. Ooh, <clears> his, he gets cut up, don't he? I don't know. I never finished it. I just got bored. I'm just looking at one of the screen caps. His hands are just like sliced deep. And then uh, they have like creepy haunted stuff happening. And for some reason, that's like, and I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't know if this is a ghost. There's no way that's not a ghost that he has sex with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But the house is constantly and like, I want to be clear, this is not me writing this in. This is just accurate. It's just, like, leaking semen all the time. What do you mean it's leaking semen? Like, if you could imagine, like, (laughs) he turns on a shower head, and what comes out of it just is semen. Just a big wash of it. Is it canonically semen, or is that you saying it's semen? don't know. But it's like, if it looks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. There's no way that someone made this movie and no one said, why don't we put green food coloring in this or red food coloring instead of white food coloring when we make this disgusting ooze that comes out of everything all the time. But it like squirts out of like light sockets. And I mean, it's like kind of sexual in theme. So I'm like, is this like a metaphor for something? But it's not good if it is. I think, again, what it is, is that's all they could afford to do. And they probably found something they could cram into the pipes and then flush out really easily and it wouldn't block up the plumbing. So that's what they did. Yeah. Like, and I'm just like, no, just synthetic, it's just synthetic semen. Okay. The double S. Yeah. I mean, that that literally, I could see them doing that. Just like buying a jug and being like, blug, 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 and then just like <sighs> squirting it out of the pipes. Because that would be an okay, easy thing. Okay, okay, guys, guys, we're gonna have to do another take. We're gonna have to do another take. Um, hey, um, Michael, get get the bucket of semen. Get the bucket. Yeah, just. Pl- I know you don't like doing this, Michael. Just get. Shut up. Get the bucket of semen. <laughs> but yeah, it's not good. And there's a lot of movies like that on Netflix. Yes, so the, millions the times that I find a really good budget horror movie. I'm like, <gasps> the chosen one. I love it. Yeah, like the orphanage. So I'm going to suggest one to you next week. Okay, sounds great. Um, speaking of, okay, I wasn't, I completely forgot to even watch this, wasn't even going to talk about it, but there was a new Nicolas Cage movie that came out recently called. No. Shut up. No, I'm going to say it. It's not good. It's not remotely good, but it's called Willy's. I know what it is. Willy's Wonderland. It is the worst movie yeah. I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen it, Cody? I don't know why you watched have you seen it. I have it, but I don't know why you watched it. <laughs> Anyways, no, it's just, it's it's bad. There, there's like, he got paid probably millions of dollars to be in this movie, 
but he didn't really actually act. He was just Nicolas Cage silently. And then he left. I gotta say, I respect when you've reached a point in your career when you can make money to not even try. You just show up and they're like, here you go. It, your name's Nicolas Cage. I, It'll double our sales. I feel we know like it. they had this idea that was just Five Nights at Freddy's. And so they're like, okay, okay, okay. How are we going to be able to launch this without like losing all of our money? Okay, let's get a big name actor. Nicolas Cage is in a ton of debt and people watch his movies even if they're bad. So we can like camp it up. And then we release this horrible movie, and people are still going to buy it. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. And I wasn't even going to talk about it, because I completely forgot I watched it. It was that bad. But I watched it, and here we are. It wasn't good. Don't watch it. Willie's Wonderland. Nicolas Cage, don't watch it. Oh, yeah, I, should put that I, I watched the reviewer briefly mention it, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's just Five Nights at Freddy's, but bad. Yeah. But so. Well, and it's also like the result of the like 2020 like movie desert. You know what I mean? Like, there just wasn't a lot coming out. So this thing could be relevant, you know? Yeah. And like I said, I'm just waiting for someone to make a movie about like a, either a romance about COVID or like a horror movie about COVID. I'm just. Oh, well, wait- they've already done a romance about COVID. Okay. Never mind. I don't have to wait any longer. We're done. Okay, guys, let's go home. Pack up, guys. Let's go home. We're done. Tony, you can just leave the bucket of semen in the in the washroom. It's fine. No one cares. But uh, and buckets. then other than I mean buckets, buckets of semen. But other than that, I've been. I don't. We don't have enough time for me to talk about it. But I've been watching, watching and reading anime. And the one that I want to complain about it. It's not good, but it's one of those things where it's like I need something to like read to keep my mind off of like how horrid work is. So it's like l- let's um read this manga and it's not good. It's like Well what manga it's is called it? a Kamega Kill. It's um like like so there's this empire and of course now it's run by like this corrupt prime minister who's manipulating the emperor, and so this like kid wants to go to the empire for ideas of grandeur and wants to like join the imperial guard and all this but then he finds out it's really corrupt and evil so he basically ends up joining this like assassination team and like is trying to help like raise up this revolution to overthrow the empire cool sounds interesting but it's literally there's no substance to it there's like nothing there's no substance to it like like i know that not all anime has to have substance. Not all like I read all of Naruto. There was a lot. There was some substance to it and like some morals and stuff in that. But like I read seven hundred pages of Naruto. Um, so, not pages, <laughs> seven hundred chapters of Naruto. But like reading this, there's like there's like no backbone, no substance. Like yeah, they introduce like these cool powers and then they just kill off the character in the next chapter. And it's just like okay, and like. No one, there's a power of friendship, but like no one really learns anything. No one, like it's, yeah, there's not any backbone to it. So I'm just reading through this. I don't care about any of the characters, I don't care about any of the bad guys. I don't even care, like, how it's gonna end. And it's like this thing where like multiple main characters have died so far. And it's just like, okay, cool, glad that happened, don't care. Oh, uh, <laughs> anyways, I started watching another uh, season of Sword Art Online because one just came out. Speaking of bad anime. So it's OK. Yeah, so it's OK. We all watch bad anime sometimes. Sometimes. yeah. Just... Oh, my gosh, Jordan. What? Ghost stories. 
Uh, <laughs> Wait, you broke up. What do you say? Ghost stories. I didn't talk to you about me and Mandy watching ghost stories. You know, Cody, I already know about the whole gimmick of ghost stories. So, like, all your it's texts so to me, all of them, it's just like I already heard every single one of these lines. Like, huh, okay. Like, like the 15th time hearing is like it's not funny anymore. <laughs> oh, but you should really watch I it. I have. I've seen parts of it. I don't care. <laughs> No, I mean all of it in a row. Oh, like, no. sit down. Buddy, buddy. Really do it. Yeah, but other than the bad anime, I'm also watching Dorara, and I'll get back to that later because it's actually pretty good. Anyways, Cody, it's time to get to our stories. Okay. Sorry for just cutting it short because, yeah, it's, it's time to do this. No, that's fine. Do you want to roll or do you want to keep the same order we did last I time mean, for the sake I of continuity? I feel like technically for the sake of continuity we should, but I also, like, want to roll because that's, like, the whole point of the show. Even though it didn't start out being even a part of the show. We didn't get this to, like, episode 8. <laughs> I don't think it matters if we roll or not. I'm just asking if you have a strong feeling. I don't have a strong feeling, but, like... I think we should remain consistent okay, with the Okay, how order. about we roll, and if we're not consistent, we'll stay consistent. <laughs> I just want to roll a dice! Okay. Okay, I just want to roll okay. a dice. Shut up, Cody. I mean, that's fine. Look, I've got the use to this show being run a very certain way. I'm going to go first. What do you roll? 14. 17 again. All right. Okay, so we're staying consistent. But, um, so I guess um, we'll say this in case someone jumps into this episode not knowing what we're doing. So usually on World Shop, we build worlds based off the roll of a 20-sided die. And as you can tell from my very rocky, very bad intro, we're doing something a little bit different. Um, On episode 118, we pitched story ideas that we would want to write a story in for to each other. And then we picked off um, recording. And um, episode 119 was the first chapter of both of our stories. I picked a supernatural kind of paranormal investigator horror story. And um, surprisingly enough, Cody did the same thing. (laughs) Very different sides of of the idea of paranormal type of stuff. But yeah, so mine's more of like an episodic adventure. Cody's is I don't know yet. I'll find out with you guys. But yeah, so um, last, so I'm going first because I started first last time, and I also rolled the same number I did last week. Um, so going first, quick summary. Last week, um, I started out with the character Daniel, who um, is traveling back home after um, basically leaving home when he was 18 and like never turning back because his parents were controlling, kind of just made his childhood all about trying to be better than his older brother. He finally comes back, and in his house, instead of finding his parents, he finds a weird exact copy of him when he was 12 years old. Um, Being weirded out by that, he still, for some reason, goes inside of the house and then goes down into the basement where he finds out the weird clone of him has killed his parents. And as he's trying to escape, he runs into the clone again who was brandishing a knife. And I am literally just starting off right where we left off, like, as if there was not even a chapter break. Okay. So, welcome to Anomaly Hunters, Inc. Chapter 2, Doppelganger. The child clone of me, the murder of my parents, the monster in sheep's clothing, whatever you want to call it, took another step down the stairs towards me. He wore a smug but evil look on his face. It was as if he knew from the beginning that he would be in this position. 
Did he set me up by telling me about the basement? I know exactly who you are, he said. You're not the older brother, Jarrett. You're not the one my parents aspire for me to be like. You aren't the perfect son I was to emulate every day and every night. No, you are nothing like that. You are the failure son who ran away and left them all alone. The one they spent day and night crying over until I was finally created. Without you, they had, would have wanted me. But then they rejected me just like you rejected them. They started telling me I could never replace you. That they had made a mistake. They told me that I was a mistake. They gave up on me. But why would they want someone like you? You are nothing. You are disgusting failure. You are the mistake. Look, I have no clue what you are talking about. You, you did a bad thing, but we can get this figured out, okay? Everything is going to be okay, I said, trying anything that would get me out of the situation. He was brandishing that knife like he was going to attack soon. He had the upper hand in this. If I made a move, he would just stab me and it would be all over. I had to either talk him out of it or wait for him to attack and try to get the knife away from him. You are the only loose end. If I get rid of you, I can continue making this house perfect for mommy and daddy. It will be like your stench of failure never cursed this house. He said, taking more steps down the stairs. He was about halfway now. An attack was coming at any time. My heart was racing, just waiting for the fight to begin. I had very little room to wiggle. There was a 90% chance I was a goner, but I still had to try anything to get out of this. Ah, screw you, you child devil imposter, I said. Yeah! He let out an ear-piercing scream and jumped from the stair he was on, swinging the knife down in an overhand grip. I threw up my arm to connect with his and blocked the downward swing, then planted my feet and pushed him off of me. He was light like a 12-year-old, but he was strong as hell. He was only pushed back for a second before he lunged at me again. I tried to block the knife a second time, but his strength pushed it halfway into my shoulder. I winced in pain, trying not to focus on my wound too much. I put my palm against his head and with all my might turned my body, slamming his head into a nearby wall. I was in too much of a daze of adrenaline to focus on the spatter of blood his head had made against the concrete wall. The kitchen knife clattered against the ground as his body went completely limp. There was something slightly cathartic about beating the crap out of a child version of myself. I reached down and grabbed the knife before running up the stairs. From behind me, I heard him move and let out a gasping laugh. <laughs> I stopped and turned to look at him. How could he already be back up? He moved slowly but fluently to his feet as if he was a marionette being pulled to a standing position. His eyes were wide with a crazed anger, and his lips were twisted into a sickening, jeering grin. I'll kill you! I'll kill you! I'll kill you! I'll kill you! He repeated over and over again, and then his body began to transform. His arms and legs began to elongate, and his back hunched over. His clothes sat on his body awkwardly from the elongation. His jaw unhinged, and his teeth sharpened into dagger-like fangs. On his hands, his fingernails stretched until they turned into long, steel-looking blades. He dropped his jaw and let out an inhuman screech. Oh, shit! I couldn't help but say as I turned and ran up the stairs to the door. 
He bounded after me on all fours, and I threw the door closed on his face with a wham as he crashed into it. He had knife hands now. It would probably take him a few seconds to figure out how to open the door. I ran for the front entrance until I heard the basement door smash open. I couldn't look back. That would only get me killed. From behind me, a thumping of him running on all fours came, and I felt a sharp burning sensation in my back as his four claws cut into me with ease. I screamed in pain and turned around, swinging the knife wildly, connecting with his chest. He swung his claws, cutting across my chest as I stepped back to avoid his second swing. I grabbed him again, this time lifting him slightly and bringing him down, smashing against the kitchen table. Part of the table collapsed and the rest of it flipped and landed on the clone monster's back. Stay down! I yelled. But it was a matter of seconds before he was back up swinging at me again. I threw up my arm in a reactionary defense as his blades came down, cutting deep into me. I watched as a splatter of blood splashed across the white floor. I saw that I had been bleeding everywhere. How much blood had I lost? How much longer could I keep at this before he finally got the best of me and killed me? I needed to end this immediately. I gripped the knife as hard as I could and pivoted with all my strength, stabbing him in the chest. I brought the knife back and stabbed again and again, trying my hardest to put an end to this monster who killed my parents. I didn't care what happened to me. I just wanted to stop this thing from hurting anyone else. I especially didn't want him to hurt anyone while wearing my face. That's when I felt it. A burning hole tore into my stomach as the cold metal-like claws pushed into me. They slid in with ease and I almost lost all of my strength. But I had to keep going. I needed to bring him down with me. He was losing energy. I could tell as he began to slump down. He brought his other hand up and brought it down on my chest and shoulders. I managed one last stab with all of my might, and I finally felt the fight leave the clone monster. His body collapsed to the floor, and I fell with him. This, this couldn't be it. This couldn't be the end of my story. I pushed up against the tile floor and began to stand again. I felt the claws slowly move out of my stomach. Every single inch of them burned as they slid out of me. The floor around us was covered in blood and the droplets from my stomach and other wounds began to pull beneath me. After all of that struggle, the clone was not breathing. I prayed that it was actually dead this time. But then again, I was close to dying myself. I began to walk towards the front door. I needed to get outside and warn someone about what just happened. This, this couldn't be the end. After a few steps, I collapsed on the floor, unable to find strength to take another step. It was all over. I looked at the front door. I was so close, but I felt so far away. I felt my blood pull around me, and I closed my eyes. It felt like keeping my eyes shut would conserve energy. I managed to begin crawling to the door. If I could just make it outside, someone would see me. If I could just make it, someone would be able to save me. If I could just make it. But for what? This was it. This was life. I spent half of it listening to others tell me how to live, never doing anything for myself. Then I decided to take things into my own hands. I got absolutely nowhere that way. I had no friends I could call, no love life, no one to look up to, no one to look up to me. If there was any meaning to life, I definitely had not found it. What was I supposed to look forward to? I didn't want to be controlled. 
I wanted to find my own path, so I overcorrected and ended up worse off than if I just stayed. I never found a correct path. I never found happiness. I just wasted every single talent I was given, and everyone around me suffered for it. Because of my stubbornness, my parents ended up dead. Did anything I do ever matter? Here I was, laying in a puddle of my own blood, cold and alone. No one would even know how I died. I laughed at the thought of an empty funeral. Would anyone even come? Would anyone even care? I imagined my brother standing in front of a completely empty church, telling a room of nobody how he wished he had known me better. But I was too bitter to get to know. I had nothing, so was death really even a big deal? What was the point of living if I had thrown away my only chance? I deserved to die. I didn't need to live anymore. I didn't even know if I wanted to live anymore. I had nothing else. This was a fitting end for me. I felt my body growing cold and heavy. It became too hard to keep moving forward, so I gave up on crawling to the door and just let go. I felt myself slowly drift away. All the sounds were gradually silenced as my consciousness began to slip into darkness. It was over. I had failed. That was it. The end of everything. Huh? I felt myself snap awake. Everything was a blur of confusion. So many things hit me at once that I went into a sensory overload. I tried to process everything individually, as taking in everything at once would just cause me to panic. First, I was in a white room. Well, not completely white. There were some colors, like the blue blinds that lay on either side of an open window. I was sitting up in a bed, but not just any bed. I was in a hospital bed. The heavy blue cover was pulled up to my chest. Did someone manage to save me? It was good to know I wasn't quite dead, but really, did that actually matter? Despite remembering that I was slashed up and stabbed a bunch, I didn't really feel any pain. I felt my stomach and my arms. The wounds had been stitched up and looked like they had plenty of time to heal. How long was I in here for? The loud beeping noise behind me was a heart monitor. I didn't know too much about the medical side of things, but the beat sounded normal. In front of my bed, sitting in a chair, was a man. Was he a cop here to take my statement or something? Did he think I killed my parents or something like that? Was I going to have to go to court over all of this? After all, to them, it might have looked like I killed a kid. A kid with claws and fangs, but still a kid. The man in front of me was sitting calmly in the chair with his leg up on the other leg and his elbows pressed against his lap. His head was resting on his hands and he looked up at me and gave a cheerful smile. He looked relatively young, maybe 30s, early 40s at the most, but his hair was a stark contrast of pale white. Honestly, the man was kind of pale himself. He wore a button-up white collared shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Gray dress pants, a gray vest, and a blue speckled tie. His smile was refreshing, unlike the creepy smile of the clone kid before. Ah, here we are. I've been waiting to talk to you. No rush, though. You don't have to push yourself, the man said calmly. Where, where am I? I asked, trying to get the biggest question out of the way. You are a small private hospital. You were pretty banged up, so we brought you here for treatment. Do you remember what happened? I had to choose my words wisely, but I didn't want to just lie to the man. 
Lying would only make things worse. Yeah, sort of. I remember that I came back home after a while to visit my parents. Their, um, adopted son was there. I found out that he killed my parents, so I confronted him about it. He turned violent and stabbed me a few times, so I defended myself against him. And I guess that's how I ended up here. <laughs> the man laughed. Sorry, sorry, I don't mean to be rude. But I just didn't think you would tell the truth right away. Integrity and honesty will get you far, won't it? He stopped laughing and his demeanor changed to be slightly more serious. Now it is time for me to be honest with you. My name is Alistair and I am head of the government-run paranormal agency No Name. As you know, the thing you ran into wasn't quite natural. We like to call things like that anomalies. No Name is in charge of finding these types of anomalies and either disposing of them or finding a place where they cannot hurt anyone. If I didn't experience the clone monster, then I would have thought this guy was messing with me. He seemed sincere though, as if he had been in the same place explaining the same type of thing before. The paranormal was real, and I had just faced it head on. What exactly was that thing, and uh, where did it come from? I asked. That, my friend, was a doppelganger. A copy-like being that is made from the extreme desire to replace the original. The doppelganger is a being of that desire and doesn't necessarily hold the will of the original. If the ones who had the desire for the doppelganger reject it, then it turns feral. You saw what that thing became. Doppelgangers are very dangerous if not kept in check. So, let me get this straight. My parents' desire to have their son back created that weird imitation of me that tried to fulfill their every wish, like they had expected me to. Then, when they realized that creepy little child was indeed not me, he freaked out and killed them? I said, trying to wrap my head around the situation. This all felt like it was my fault. That my desire for individuality led to my parents' deaths. I felt so lost and so sorry in that moment. Part of me did wish that I had died along with the monster. Yeah, I know, you must be in a bad shape right now. But try not to blame yourself. No one expects something like this to happen. And when a doppelganger appears, the desire is so great that people can't help but take it in. It is a horrible situation, but it's not your fault. You eventually will have to move forward and make the best of the life you still have. There's still time to do that, you know? He said reassuringly. I didn't really even know this guy, but again, his words felt sincere. It didn't feel like the repeated lines he said just to fill the air. But, if you are some sort of anomaly hunter, then how come you didn't find this until after things had already gone to shit? I said, I wasn't angry. I wasn't looking for a fight. I just wanted an explanation. We have failed you. Doppelgangers like that are basically human. Usually we track anomalies by the energy they put off. But this one... Being so close to humanity barely put off any energy that would have tripped our alarms. It wasn't until he transformed into that monstrous form and attacked you that we were able to detect it. We just made it in time to find you laying there. You were barely hanging on. Your heartbeat was so light and you had stopped breathing, he said in a sad tone, dropping his head for a second. I could tell he did feel bad about not being able to do anything. Then he brought back that slight cheerful smile and continued. That's when we brought you here. This is No Name's local medical facility. The 
best of the best medicine for anyone who works for no name or is infected by an anomaly. So you like use some supernatural healing or something on me? I don't really feel any pain from the attack. How advanced is this place? I asked. Oh no, we didn't use any magic or anything. You were in an induced coma for over a month. We wanted to make sure your wounds heal before you were up and moving again. You were in really bad shape, he said, giving me an odd look. A month in the hospital? I don't have insurance anymore. There is no way I will be able to afford all this. Alistair laughed again with a big smile. Don't worry about it. We will be covering everything. You will not see one expense. Trust me. So then I'm free to go? There is no way you are just letting me walk out of here, is there? I said, doubting his generosity. Ah, you catch on quick. But I am not here to entrap you or anything like that. I'm actually here to offer you a job. Wait, what? You want me to be part of your super secret monster hunting squad? Why? You don't even know me, I asked, confused. I know exactly who you are. You are Daniel Victory, son of Merriam and Norman Victory, college grad, top of his class, extremely handy and talented, but hasn't held a job for more than a year. Not many free, not many friends to speak of or anyone who will really vouch for you. Most say that you are either complicated or an asshole. That all sound about right? That last part hurt a little, but he pretty much nailed it. And that's the kind of person you want working for you? I said in response. Well, one, you know about the anomalies and accepted their existence without hesitation. Two, you were able to defeat a doppelganger on your own. Not many people can say that. That bravery will go far. Three, every single record of you points to you being a genuine and honest person. Someone with loyalty and a ton of other values I think would be perfect for the team. We would welcome you with open arms. Yeah, I barely scraped out alive against the doppelganger. I bet you, you have thousands of anomalies that are way worse than that thing. I would just be putting myself at risk. Of course, there is a part of me that wants to avenge my parents and make sure no one has to go through that. And of course, I will be thinking about them for the rest of my life, but this is dangerous. What is in it for me? I said, well, first off, you're right. You'll be able to make things right with the deceased. A lot of the members of No Name are just like you. An anomaly took something away from them that they loved. You'll be doing so much good in the world. And, if that isn't your thing, 100% full medical coverage, a huge paycheck every week, and also a place to live. Everything you need will be covered. He said that last part with a slight smug grin. It was corny, but I did want to do something right in my life. I spent it running away from what my parents wanted, and I got nowhere. I had nowhere else to go, no friends. Now I had no family, and no one to trust. This seemed like the only option to even begin to have a future. Was this what I wanted? Would no name end up providing me with some home, with the drive, and with the life that I so craved? Was this like the men in black, but only more awkward? In my thoughts, part of it could be spite. It would be a life that my parents didn't want for me, but at the same time, I would be doing good for this world. The more I thought about it, the more I talked myself into it. Alistair had this feel about him. He knew exactly what he was doing. 
<sighs> Jeez, you drive a hard bargain. But sure, I guess I can join your crew. Perfect! Welcome to No Name. You start next week. What? And that's my second chapter. What do you think? I liked that. I, I liked that. It definitely, like... You gotta fill in a lot of exposition It almost feels faster. like three... Ch- <laughs> I was... I was gonna say, there's like a three... There's like a... It feels like that was chapter two and three. You know Jesus, what I mean? Yes. <laughs> um... But I also understand the need to be like, and here's yeah, what yeah. the story here's your little is. Intro, you got an intro of what monsters are like, and okay, now we got to do it. It's like, that was like the first episode of the second episode would be like, oh, he wakes up in the hospital. So I guess this part in the first half of you this know, was all chapter one, and then the second half of this was technically chapter two. <laughs> and, okay, I'm going to say Uh-oh. this, and I'm going to I'm gonna preface this a little it. bit, but... Uh, I definitely, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know anything about literature, so grains of salt all around. Um, from writing the chapter that I just wrote, I also have that sense now of, like, if I was to write this and then edit it, my chapter one and two would become a new chapter called yeah. chapter one. <laughs> um, but I almost feel like this is, Jordan, I think your story should have been a flashback. Oh, yeah, you know I could have, I, mean? I like that, yeah. Like, start... With those two characters together working a case and then flashback to remember yeah. how you got started and tell that story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, then you could have had some of it be like implied by what was yeah. happening in the story and you didn't, you wouldn't have had to like, you know, and like, I understand the need functionally within a story to be like, and here's the exposition. It's going to be yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, no, 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 but. Boy, are our stories paced Oh, extremely so. Like, Oof. I cover a lot of ground in just two chapters. Like, where I'm at on chapter five is a lot A lot of ground gets covered in five chapters. Where it's like, that's that's my halfway point. But, like, so much happens. <laughs> yeah, this chapter for me is definitely, like, it's shorter. And I'm like, if... N- now I know. Um, but... You know, we're writing 10 episodes, yeah, right? Buddy. We're writing 10 chapters. And really, I don't think this needed to be its own chapter, but just the way I wrote my outline, it was for this first draft. So well, it, you know, became its own episode. That's the so thing keep that is I mind. wrote my own outline, but like I have a page count that I want to get to every chapter. And so like there have been times like with this where I just blended together two different parts into one part. Because that was the time I allotted. Because I didn't want to just... Because that first part is only two pages. That first part was extremely short. See, that's kind of like... I knew where... So I know where all of my chapters are supposed to end. Right? And I'm like... I don't want to... I don't want to, like... Fluff the story. You know, I don't want to put a bunch of filler in just to try to get to four pages. Because that's, like, roughly my goal. Um... So, like, this one ended up being three pages, and it doesn't need to be more than three pages, just because there isn't that much ground to cover. And I feel like anything else I would have stuffed in would have just been yeah. extra, not well, needed. So, it, but I, anyways. Following a very tight, <laughs> very tight schedule, because I want to do a little bit more intimate stuff on um the third arc of the story. So, I'm, like, I want right. to get this yeah. stuff yeah, kind yeah. of condensed in this so i can have five chapters to do the like the really cool intimate story like because this doppelganger thing was like I'll, based I'll tell on you, something else like like 
I will admit, not a million percent yeah. of the original idea. But, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, who, cares? who cares? But it was, like, something I really wanted to experiment with. And, like, I like the, the idea of it was, like, a good starting point for the character. I wanted to have this, especially this scene where, like, he's laying and dying. I wanted to have it that's, like, this character clearly wants to find a purpose in life and doesn't think he ever had one. And that that's like gonna be kind of a yeah. it, it'll it'll come up here and there. It's like, is this even worth it? Type of thing. I have some I have some stuff similar to this that I want to comment on my story. Yeah. I just okay. wanna wait until Let's, I've read it. Yeah, read your story <laughs> and then we can talk about both of them. Uh, all right. Years ago I imagined taking a job in a big city. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Last time on the Grimes <laughs> Manor. <laughs> I forgot. Last time when the Grimes Matter, we're introduced to a character named Amy who works at a processed cheese. She works as a sales representative for processed <sighs> cheese. She does not like her job and she lives yep. alone with a cat. Um, she, When she is alone in a dark room, she sometimes... It is unclear whether the, she hallucinates or sees specters, but something happens when she's alone in the dark. And... Um, she lost her parents when she was very young and there was no family to take care of her. So she ended up like in orphanages and that kind of system yeah. until she was 18. That's the backstory that we got last episode. How old is she now? So now this is, um, oh, no, I sense. think 30 because I'm pretty sure I said that her parents oh. died when she was 10. And I think I said okay. 20 years went by. I'm not sure if I ever explicitly said that, yeah, but that's my, my guy's ballpark. 28 um, because if you notice, I said he left home 18 that he's returning 10 years later. So we had the same idea. <laughs> yeah. Years ago, I imagined taking a job in a big city would have a certain glamour to it. I could live downtown, bike to work, pick up coffee while I fend off the autumnal chill with my cable knit sweater and scarves. Instead, the reality is my commute is 45 minutes of driving out of an overpriced downtown to an apartment complex haphazardly flung up on the border of a cornfield and an odd pocket of trees. Audubon Meadows really doesn't live up to its name in late fall. It's cold and wet, the leaves have fallen off the tree, off the trees and rot on the ground and have yet to be covered with white, clean snow. Between the leaden misery outside my window and the terrible gas station coffee in my cup holder, my mood is not getting much better. I muscle through my creaking front door and walk into my apartment. I hate my job, but being alone here is almost worse. The long drive and late day at work means that it's almost fully dark by the time I arrive home. My apartment is grim and haunted in the low light. I can feel the shadows beginning to move and my ears are full of a low static. I can still smell the wet earth. I shake myself and turn on the lights. There's a small pile of mail on the floor, bills, insurance, and a half dozen bright colored flyers for fast food, new cars, and gym memberships. All trash. First thing is first, though. TV on and feed Dottie. The TV plays out some drama, gunfights and crying and kissing. It's perfect. Just enough noise to keep me from hearing the static in my ears. I walk into my bedroom and flick on the lights before I can see anything unwelcome. I take off the budget... The budget, business casual look that I seem to remember scoffing at in my youth, a very solid and wrinkle-resistant salmon blouse, nondescript khaki pants, and closed-toed shoes, with, of course, a modest heel. I change into a t-shirt and yoga pants. I'm just putting my hair up into a bun when I catch my reflection in the mirror and pause. I still can't remember their faces. But they have to be right here. Mom and Dad have to be visible in my face. 
Dark and curling brown hair falls over my olive skin. My eyes, which are just beginning to show wrinkles around the edges, are large and brown. I was told all my life that I have a big happy smile whenever I did smile, but today I just look like a caricature of anxiety and faint panic as I stare. I wonder if my mother had a big wide happy smile. Maybe my dad had dark wavy hair. Maybe they wondered if I would have my mother's brown eyes or my father's blue. I could make up pictures of them in my mind. My mother would wear bright red lipstick and maybe a little too much makeup. She would be a larger-than-life woman, loud and full of energy in the kitchen as she baked for a family. My dad would be more reserved. A, smaller and quiet, a small and quiet man, happy to sit back and enjoy spending time with me and my mom. This doesn't matter, though. It's all a fiction. The brief light of happiness fades, and my daydream is interrupted by a shadow sliding by the reflect- mm, Sliding by in the reflection on my mirror. I yelp and turn around just to see Dottie in the harsh fluorescent light. Jesus, Dottie, you could just meow if you want dinner. Dottie says nothing. She can be a pain sometimes. I make my way back to the kitchen slash living room slash dining room slash rest of my apartment. I bustle around, filling bowls with food and water for Dottie. Then, trying to decide between leftovers, delivery, or actually cooking something for myself. Burning basil alfredo is still an option, of course. I settle on delivery pizza. I pull a menu off my fridge and turn around to my counter, and that's when I see something odd. There's a letter on my kitchen counter. Not in the pile of letters that I found by my door, but on my kitchen counter. The TV is on full blast, but the hum is back in my ears. This letter cannot be here. I can't take my eyes away from it. Something was in my apartment. Not, not something, someone. Someone broke in and put this letter here. The shadows begin to boil on the edge of my vision, but my eyes are locked on this letter. I imagine a smell of wet rotten earth. It makes me want to vomit. The humming in my ears is louder and louder as I begin to shake. Is there still someone in here with me? Where could they be? Where could they hide? The apartment is only two rooms. I slowly reach out to the letter. The paper is a heavy and rustic parchment. It looks more old than something chic. The letter's envelope reads simply, Miss Amy Grimes, in shining red ink. Once my finger touches the coarse paper, the humming stops. I'm standing in my well-lit apartment, watching TV, about to cook dinner. Dottie probably grabbed the letter and was just playing with it. She moves stuff around my apartment all the time. I was just being stupid. I rip open the letter and read a message that is handwritten and annoyingly in cursive. Apparently, whoever wrote this letter is a person from a bygone time. Dear Miss Amy Grimes, first allow me to offer my dearest condolences for the loss of your great uncle. Howard Archibald Grimes has been a dear friend, client, and pillar of our community, and his death saddens all of us. We are unsure if you are aware of his passing. If this is a shock, I apologize that this was delivered um, in such an unceremonious way. But know that the community of Masthead feels for your loss and is here to help you in this trying time. Services have already been held in the town and your uncle was laid to rest in the family graveyard on his estate. If you wish to pay respects to his gravesite, we would be happy to assist you in locating it as the estate is quite expansive. We are writing to inform you that it is our responsibility at Clovers and Sons to ensure that the will of your great uncle is carried out correctly. Put simply, Miss Grimes, Howard stipulated that at the time of his passing, Grimes Manor and all his possessions should be passed along to his closest living adult relative, which happens to be you. We understand that you were possibly estranged from your great uncle. As such, this might come as a surprise. But as of this moment, 
Uh, Grimes Manor, everything inside of it, as well as a modest sum of money, are now yours. We would also like to mention that it was your great uncle's wish that the house not be sold and remain in the family. This cannot be forced on you, as an upkeep of such an estate can be costly as well as time-consuming. But Masthead is a lovely town, and newcomers are always welcome. Please come to Masthead in Maine. We are on the coast. Ask after Clovers and Sons, attorneys. We will assist you however we can. Yours, Miles Clover. It was hard to understand. It was just so much. First of all, I had family. Family that abandoned me. Family that let a 10-year-old girl attend her parents' funeral alone. Family that let a child mourn alone. Family that did not show up despite having a manor and wealth. Good riddance is what I say. Also, I don't really care about the final wishes of someone that left me alone. I'm going to drive out to Masthead, wherever that is, get whatever modest sum of money there is, sell the house to the first potential buyer, and my, and my great uncle Howard can curse me from the grave for my disobedience. I was already changing my clothes and grabbing keys before I paused and remembered what day it was. Thursday. I have to work tomorrow. I have a cat. I'm supposed to work this weekend. Because I have to work on a sales pitch with Chuck. A small suitcase was already packed with clothes, leggings, jeans, big sweaters, warm boots, but none of my uh, business casual office clothes that I am stuck with. I realize I have a choice. Either tomorrow I can be in my loathsome business casual, or I can go on an adventure and just skip it. Finally, I decide, you know what, whatever, and send an email to Chuck. Chuck, sudden death in the family? I am going to take the next few days off. Should be back by Monday. Sorry for the short notice, Amy. I put on my favorite. I pull my favorite cardigan over my tank top, lace up, lace up some hiking boots, and walk out the door. That's when I hear a meow. <sighs> I looked at Dottie. I could leave her here with a huge bowl of food, or the cat carrier. Dottie hates cat carriers, but it felt wrong to leave her alone. So at the last moment, I packed up Dottie, despite her loud protestations, and hit the road. Once I was in my car, uh. Waiting for the near use. Mm. Once I was in my car waiting for the near useless heater to do its job, I started to search. No results whatsoever for Clovers and Sons attorneys. Fine. I searched Masthead. It's about six hours away and barely show up on my and barely shows up on my phone's GPS. There's nothing of interest in the little town and no street view available. It looks like the road that leads to the tiny town is wait. Oh, and it looks like there's only one road leading to the tiny town. So, here I am at 7pm, about to hit the road. Headphones, dark music, headphones, dark roads, and pouring rain. It is mesmerizing. I drove in a bubble of light from my GPS. I kept my music loud and upbeat. I kept moving. Whenever I would stop for gas or food, the flickering fluorescent lights would make shadows dance. I would feel watched, so I would turn up my music and just keep driving. Eventually, I found the intersection where a muddy road connected Masthead to the rest of the world. I sat at the decrepit stop sign and looked into the endless trees, trying to decide if this was a terrible idea. But the only thing waiting back for me at home was chuck and processed cheese. I turned and kept driving, doing my best to stay on the road. The rain was coming down in sheets, and just keeping the car on the road was a challenge. That's how I first saw the sad little town of Masthead at 1am under curtains of rain, I rolled into a dark town that could have been entirely uninhabited for all I could tell. All I could do was hope for a hotel. And that is the end of chapter two. So, 
Here's what I have found out about writing. It's hard. I wrote a lonely... No, I wrote a lonely character, which means that at the beginning of the story to establish that she is lonely, there is decidedly little dialogue. I like writing dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's the thing I was noticing when I was doing my own, where there's like there's a good portion where half of it is just inner monologue. Yeah. Where, like, the whole part where he was dying, like, all... like. The clone says his like three three like things, and then after that, it is inner monologue all the way up until he talks to Alistair, and then it's still mostly inner monologue between talking to Alistair. It's just like it's, it's just one of those things where it's like I need to fill the gap, but I also don't want to just describe things constantly. I like I don't hate the inner monologue thing. Like it's an, it's basically the like right. It's half of books is like inner monologue or third person narration, you know, but it does, it does feel sparse when there is no dialogue in a chapter. And I'm like, I miss dialogue so much. It writes so much faster than just descriptions of what's happening. You know, that's how I cover so much um, bandwidth is just (laughs) doing one or two characters they only talk to each other and then fill in the rest of the thing like that's five pages goes a lot of ways where you're not entering every line for dialogue yeah <laughs> so that's why like sometimes well, like, my five pages is longer than your stuff because it's mostly inner oh yeah right 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 well yeah and that's true like dialogue is both faster to write and also i think reads faster you know what i mean because there is more empty space and stuff Mm -hmm. other than just like a solid block of text but there was like stuff that i liked about this chapter like i liked the thing where she looked in the mirror and was like ruminating about how like she doesn't know what her parents looks like anymore but they must look like a combination like she looks like the combination of them so that like must like i liked that little sequence um or like the kind of like driving alone in the dark and how hypnotizing that is. I like that. You know, there's like little things that I like. I just don't think it needed to be its own chapter after having written the chapter, you know. But next time I'm going to have dialogue, baby. So this definitely you set it up like the I don't know where they originally did this and what the story originally was. Where it's like, the oh, yes, the relative dies. So they have to spin the night in the house in order to get the house type thing. You definitely set that up. And I like, I yeah, always love that gimmick. I've always, always loved that gimmick. Like, like wh- well, there's spoilers here that I don't d- want to get you into. Don't to, you just don't have to say them if you don't want to. Well, and so, like, when you're looking at a story structure, right? Yeah. Um, there's oftentimes a, like, call and refusal and then an acceptance yes yeah like that's like a common thing (laughs) is like luke has that right uh obi-wan's like come with me and join the resistance and he goes no i have to stay here and work with my uncle and then his uncle dies and he decides to do it right so i right now what i like about it is i'm setting it up to where she's like i am not staying i'm just gonna go sell the house stuff yeah right and stuff pushes her to decide to stay you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but i'm and i'm liking that like i like all the groundwork that i've done to set up but like um next week to me is like rising action so like this was all like exposition and now it's like actually gonna start is your, moving 
is your rising action going to last more than a chapter? Oh yeah. Okay. No, I mean, it's yeah, chapters Because yeah, that's what you said. Story. Rising ap- action. It's like rising action at chapter three. It's like holy crap. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like that's like until chapter eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you so know what it's I a mean? Big like okay, but yeah, it's it's the chapter three is the kickoff of like the meat of the story. Like this was the setup, yeah, and like, we're I've like kicking it... the ball towards the goal now. I've seen it described as like in like a story circle, which I tried to use. Eh. Yeah, um there's like the real world and the chaos world or like sometimes it's called like the real world in hell and like i'm right at the tipping point of hell right this is where stuff starts getting weird and then like going back around the circle eventually you come back to normal life you know changed is the idea yeah. is that the so real life or is it just this fantasy? is like just beginning to dip into weird instead okay. of like you know just being her being at the apartment so i'm excited yeah. for next week but it meant this chapter was a little bit less loved by me, well, which is okay. I, I guess that that's like the difference in pacing because like you did real life and like like you like you said you're getting to the weird. It's like I did like a couple pages of real life and then boom weird. And now we're back to real life and then next chapter boom weird. Well, right, and it's decidedly not episodic. Like this is. Oh yeah, yeah, like, I, I know. There and that's going to be like the big difference. Is there's going to be yeah. Like I'm going to have multiple climaxes, and yours is going to have one. Right. But like mine, I have story arcs written in this. Because t- I don't know, just part of me couldn't necessarily bring myself to be able to format something long without going overboard, and that's why I made stuff where it's like I have three story arcs. And I know exactly where I want to hit each three of them. Each three of them could have technically like been, if I fleshed it out more, been a five-part story. Like I could have set yeah. up before he went off to see the doppelganger, or even like I, I don't know, like like each of it. But I just don't know how I would have done ten pages of one solid story without doing too much. Because you know me, like it's not necessary. I don't ever want to say i'm a discovery writer but i start writing and then i just don't stop there's a lot of room to start writing and then be like oh i could take a minute to explain some weird tangent yeah and i'm like trying hard not to do that because there's been like stuff in my head that i like wanted to talk about but i'm like does it for me it's like what i wanted to establish about her is that she doesn't make deep connections with people so like her best friend is a customer on the phone not her coworker that actually wants to be her friend. Yeah. Um, and like that mistrust. And like, that's why she was so immediately disgusted by her uncle that didn't ever show up for her after she was orphaned and apparently had money and a house, you know? Um, so it's like that disgust is all I wanted to establish. And I was thinking about having flashbacks of her, like in an orphanage, like not getting along with kids or being ostracized. And I'm like, I feel like I've already established that, and this would be a tangent that would not necessarily add okay, anything. Yeah. Um, or, like, wanting to have little backstory stuff about, like, setting up whatever amount of, like... She's not hallucinating. She actually sees specters. It's a horror story, right? Um, with a supernatural element. So she's, she's like, predisposed... Yeah, like, she's predisposed to see things, right? And that has been, like, late in her whole life. And I was, like, thinking about trying to explore that a little bit more beforehand. But I'm like, eh, that feels weird. Like, it'll be shoot-in. So I'm just kind of, like, letting some of that be vague. That she, like, has a routine. that 
Like, I just wanted to show that she has a routine that she does to handle the fact that she sees ghosts, basically. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I get, I get you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see more of it. Um, like, it's, it's this thing where it's like, I don't really like surprises that I kind of like to know where stories are going, but it's also, so it is like the things like, I just want to know. It's like, why do we have to wait a week after? Like, it's basically watching a TV show that I can't even look up spoilers for. <laughs> I, I'm really enjoying taking my time, actually. It's kind of fun because there's like stuff that like, cause I already know the end of the story, mm-hmm. right? And, um, there's stuff that I'm like excited, especially in this next chapter like, this next chapter is the one that I'm going to struggle to not have be, like, ten pages long. Oh, yeah, yeah th- th- that's the thing, because there- there's, like, some portions of things that I know I want to write where it's, like, I'm afraid it's, like, if I get the ball running, that chapter could easily be ten pages. Especially, like, yeah, what, that's for what me, like, once me you get the dialogue, dialogue, yeah, it's, like, you you have a conversation, and then, like, as I'm... That's the only time I think it's truly discovery, because, like, I like to... As, like, I have where the conversations go, but, like, when I write a line, I like to call, like, answer it. And then, like, sometimes it might lead to more stuff. Kind of like how we, when we were doing the audio drama, when we were writing that, like, scene where they all had that big fight, it was, like, just writing the answers for that. And it got longer than I even thought it was going to be. And, like, I mean, I liked it, but, yeah, Yeah. it's very easy to go overboard. Yep. Yeah, I I, I absolutely agree. Um. But it means I'm really excited for next yeah. week. <laughs> so, quick preview for my next week. Um, my character Daniel Victory meets his partner, and they go on their first mission together. Ooh, my preview for next week. Amy finds a hotel, and Clover and Sons. Dun dum. <clears throat> Sorry. Dun. <laughs> uh, I hope that was good for your ears, everybody. I hope that was good for your ears. I was fine. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't kill me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's the freaking show, man. I'm excited because I just I get I get to write paranormal anecdotes. <laughs> I'm really I'm really liking this writing. I'm have I'm really enjoying it. It's it's a nice change of pace from doing worlds, which I I enjoy the worlds for their shortness and their brevity. That like you kind of have to have an idea and be done with it. Um. I am really enjoying that. I feel like I, I'm not like you know. There's that anxiety that you're not going to finish. Yeah. Like you'll you'll get like halfway yeah, through. Yeah, and everybody, just quit. everybody that's, like, has that anxiety. Right. So it's like I don't feel like that's going to happen. Um. So it's like yeah, like I get to actually take the time and make this kind of cool. Like I'm excited about that. I'm actually kind of proud of it. You know. Yeah. I'm just so afraid because I do like the character that I like partner this guy up with. I'm just afraid that I'm going to slowly just do what I did with the last thing and have the story be all about them. And it's like, no, 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 don't, 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 don't. <laughs> oh, so um, I'm, I was I was talking to Mandy about this. No, no. Um, sorry, this is just a funny tangent. Uh, so I'm writing a female character. That's fine. But then I had to be like... I don't know how to describe what a woman wears in an office Uh. at all. I'm like, are they just called pants? Do they have a different name? What's a blouse? I was like looking up like women's business casual. Okay, I want to find the worst of this. That's what she's wearing to work. And then I'm like, okay, what would Amy wear if she was just like, this is what I would like to wear. And I'm like... 
I have no idea what to put here. I am so lost. <laughs> so I settled on cardigan. I settled on cardigan over a tank top with leggings and boots, which is what my wife suggested. Yeah, no sh- Because <laughs> no, I have duh. no idea. No, I, I was going to be like, did you just ask Mandy, like, what would be a good outfit to wear? <laughs> it's like, could you- fi- Yeah, yeah like, could no, you I, figure I this really out did, because I'm like- I was telling Mandy, I'm like, I don't want to be like a creep when I describe my character. And she's like, yeah, make sure you describe how big the boobs are. I'm like, okay, I didn't, I didn't do that. I like described her face and I think a pretty not creepy way. (laughs) But yeah, it's just, it was funny that I was like sitting there like, I don't know how to describe clothes. Yeah. Okay, Google, help me out here. (laughs) I remember when I was writing the Hollow Root Forest thing, there, there was a gun in the story and I was like, I don't know how to actually describe a gun other than just say rifle. <laughs> it's like, woo. There is a rifle. It has wood on it. Cool. <laughs> it's like, awesome. <laughs> so anyways, Cody, yeah, we're, it's going to be fun because there are things I just don't know how to describe. And you're going to definitely notice when I describe something in more detail and the other things where it's like, whatever. But anyways, Cody, what are your plugs? Check me out at the Wandering Gamer Network. What's that? Uh, sometimes we're on Twitch. Sometimes we're on YouTube. And we're always on podcasts. That, God, you're... It just gets worse every time. <laughs> Anyways, you can check me out um, on Twitch at something, I guess, zero, zero. On Saturdays, I stream, and on Wednesdays, I do anime streams. And then you can check me out on twitch.tv forward slash flum, where we do chaos fiction theater and read fan fictions. And also, please, please check out my other podcast, The Side Characters, the podcast where we talk about cultural diversity in nerd culture. And that's all I got. So, Cody, what are we about to do? We're about to catch them on the flip side. Bye. Uh, that was fun. That was bye. fun.